My name is Kate the Socialite and you're listening to episode 90 of The Kate Show. Today I'm here with Dominic Rubino and he is a business coach that specializes in woodworking tradespeople such as architectural woodworkers, cabinet makers, furniture makers, and joiners. Now I know most of you guys listening are not in the woodworking sector, but you're still going to get so much out of our conversation today. Dominic talks through his formula for difficult conversations. We run through two different scenarios. The second one specific to interior designers who have difficult clients who change their minds a lot throughout a project project gets delayed. How do you handle that? What do you say to them without losing your cool or your composure? And how do you turn that client into a happy one? We have very tactical and actionable tips for you today. It's a great conversation. So let's dive right in. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Okay, guys, we need to hold on for just a minute because I have a really important question to ask you. How are you planning to grow your business this year? Do you have a plan for getting new clients? Do you panic when your word of mouth referral sources dry up? It's time to take a proactive approach to growing your business with the Window Coverings Association of America. The WCAA specializes in helping upholsterers, window treatment workrooms, and interior designers build businesses that last. They offer ongoing education on topics such as business, profitability, marketing, window treatment design, upholstery techniques, and more. If you want a business that can withstand the economic ups and downs and still support your family, you need the WCAA. Go to WCAA.org to learn more about becoming a member. And P.S. to everyone else listening who might want to partner with or advertise with the WCAA. There's a place for you too. Go to WCAA.org and click on the Industry Partners page. We have a really exciting conversation lined up for you guys today. We are talking about the formula for difficult conversations. And if you run a business, chances are high that you've had to have one of those really awkward conversations. But thankfully, Dominic is going to show us how we can navigate it. So welcome to the show, Dom. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you could carve time out of your schedule to be here. I know everyone already heard your bio in the intro to this episode, but I would like to get a little bit of background from you before we dive into the formula for difficult conversations. Would you mind sharing with us what your background is and how you ended up becoming a business coach? I'll have to keep that short. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been a business coach since the turn of the century. (laughs) <laughs> when you say it that way, it's I know it sounds long. Right? Yeah. Well, but since the year two thousand, yeah, really, yeah, like the Y two K thing. So I became a business coach. Just really, uh, I was frustrated in that I was actually selling to business owners uh, in the telecommunication space and selling telecom, and I was always frustrated that business owners weren't doing the things that I could so plainly see that they needed to do. You know, my ego was, oh, they should do this, or they should do that. I found this opportunity to become a business coach and learn about it. And it, you know what? It, it just 
like a duck to water. I loved it. And so I've been a business coach now for, I guess, as of today, it's like 19 years. And uh, not only have I become a business coach, but I became a business coach trainer uh, because I was doing very well with my clients. And the organization I was part of asked me to be a trainer. So I flew around the world for them, training business coaches in places like Australia and New Zealand. And, uh, and uh, the story kind of jumps to the company I just sold a little while ago uh, was a business coaching franchise. So I, uh, I worked with a gentleman named Brian Tracy, who some of your listeners will know. He's a really well-known name in the world of business improvement, time management, sales, and, and personal development. And I developed his brand into a business coaching platform. And uh, as of today, we have 237 franchisees all around the world, but I just sold that company in February. Wow. Oh my goodness. See, I didn't know that part of the story. And oh. it, it, that's fascinating. So when you were doing all of that and traveling all around the world, were you specializing in a certain industry or a certain type of business? Well, I grew up in a trades household. My dad was a, a journeyman fabricator, you know, a welder and a new immigrant to the country as well. So I grew up in that kind of environment, you know, just a, just a solid work environment. And all of my uncles were different trades as well. So it was just, it's natural for me to work with tradespeople and it always has. I've worked with what you might consider white collar industries as well. But I think the thing that I like most about trades is they're just straight shooters. They'll just tell you if they think you're full of, you know what. <laughs> uh, they'll still tell you that at a law firm or an accounting firm or an insurance agency. They just use a longer sentence and never actually say the words. Yes, absolutely. And I have to agree with you 100% on there's something special about tradespeople, um, people in the home industry in general. Yeah, because they're the no, no bull crappers. Yeah, I love it. So I've always, I've always been attracted to that because I'm a no bull crapper. You know, think about my kitchen table. Uh, my dad was the shop steward of his, you know, and a welder and just like, it's just a rough and raw environment. And that's just what I grew up around. So it's natural for me to work with people like that. So when you fast forward that to what you're doing now, I can see how all of that, that vast experience and then your preference for the trades makes you a really good fit. And can you tell me a little, and my listeners, a little bit more about how you narrowed down your niche market? Because you do have a hyper-focused market. I do. I do. So narrowing down your niche is an important thing to do, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, <laughs> isn't it? Because you have to actually, by narrowing down my niche, I ignore all the other niches. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, or at least it felt like to me, I was ignoring opportunity. But in reality, being seen as a specialist uh, is, is a much more powerful premise than being seen as a generalist. Even though I am a generalist, I am the true definition of an entrepreneur. I didn't even tell you about the company I owned before the franchise that was very entrepreneurial. I built that, learning what I learned in business coaching, I took that company from zero to 120 million in four years and sold it. And that's a company I didn't even mention. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, being an entrepreneur applies to anything, but you have to understand, I have to understand who I am and who I serve, and then I can do anything. So I chose cabinet makers and Kate, you and I met because of my podcast, cabinet maker profit system. Yes, absolutely. And um, I would like all my listeners to keep that in mind, write that down. It's another good podcast to go listen to. Uh, it, I know a lot of people learn all their business tactics through podcasts. So yes, yeah. they will make sure yours is linked in the show notes. Oh, thank you. It's funny. I was just mentioning before the show that your episode just went live, I think last week. 
maybe the week before, and I've already had a phone call into me asking, how's Kate doing? Did she have the baby? So, <laughs> so, so people are listening, and, and you're right, they are paying attention. But yep. I chose that specific niche because as a business coach, I get called upon to be a speaker. And so I spoke at uh, a national convention for an Architectural Woodworkers Association. That's a real thing, Architectural mm -hmm. Woodworkers Associations. And uh, because I was a speaker there, I created a little bit of content. That content got really picked up by the audience. Then they asked me back again and again to speak to them. And so um, everything that I talk about on that podcast really was born out of that, those first couple of speaking gigs. And I, I just came back from speaking in New Orleans and I'm talking to, uh, to uh, a wood show in Germany about speaking next year. So that cabinetry thing, to the exclusion of everything else, I'm now the 800-pound gorilla in the cabinet maker, architectural millwork, countertops space. Yeah, and I want my listeners to understand yet again, here is an example of what happens when you bravely step out there and specialize instead of generalize. Because something that I didn't tell you ahead of time, Dominic, is that a lot of my listeners are stuck in this rut where they feel like they need to be all things to everyone. They feel like they need to offer so many different services and therefore they don't know how to market any of them because the more services you have, you and I both know, then you get multiple target audiences and how on earth are you supposed to market to multiple when you can't market to one? And I like having people like you on the show because you prove the point of niche is rich. Yeah, there's riches in the niches. Yep. I heard that from Pat Flynn, another great podcaster. Yeah, and yeah. when do you come across a lot of people in the woodworking industry who try to dabble into many things, or are they pretty well focused on the task at hand and what they're supposed to be marketing? And you know, woodworkers, uh, the, the business they run is usually a reflection of what they manufacture. So that's what'll happen, right? So they will, they'll, like if they're good at veneering, they try to find more veneering jobs. If they've got a really solid install crew, they like to do installs. If installs are bad for them or they don't really have an install crew they can rely on, then they try to avoid them. So they're a reflection of their production, if that makes sense, without getting too fancy. But what happens is they don't understand who their ideal customer is and they don't understand who they are as a, as a company. So those two things are really important. And then once they understand their ideal customer, what I usually find, and we have to spend some really interesting conversations finding out what's the most profitable kind of customer. Mm, yes, because and you don't want every customer that comes your way. No, you don't. And that, some people are listening and they're swearing or cursing and going, <laughs> these guys don't know what they're talking about. And you're right, we don't know what we're talking about, but I keep seeing it, so there must be truth to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the truth. Yeah, I'm a dum-dum. I just keep very observant about what's going on around me, and I use that to inform what I do next. And all it takes is that one bad client that, I mean, we've all had for us to wake up and realize, okay, that wasn't worth the, the little sum that they paid me. You know, that wasn't worth the stress or the time it took to negotiate with them, and why on earth are we negotiating? And it's something that people I know struggle to wrap their heads around because I was that person too, especially in the first couple years of business where I thought, I can't specialize. I can't tell people, well, I only work with this type of client or this is who I am. Let me come out from behind the curtain, stand in my space because that's going to repel certain people 
But the truth is it will also strongly attract other types Others. of people. That's right. Yeah. So it is, yes, <laughs> because it involves the business owner coming out from behind the curtain and they, they can't operate from a Wizard of Oz standpoint anymore where they look like they're, you know, this big, more confident than they feel entity. They have to come out and just be like, okay, we're a small family-owned company. These are our values. This is where we come from, and this is how we can serve you as a result. Yeah. And when you say it like that, I mean, yeah, it sounds simple, but it's not. And I think there are a lot of hard things in business that people get, that they trip over their own feet. You know, mm -hmm. they're hindering their own success. I know today we're talking about the difficult conversations that these types of people have within their business or with third parties. What do you notice that your particular coaching clients are really struggling with when it comes to um, not just the mindset challenges of getting out there, but also having those conversations that make them have to stand in their space? Well, it's different for every client because every, every situation is different, right? Some deal with more residential and some deal with high-end residential and some deal with more, uh, you know, middle market residential and some deal with really low-end, high-volume stuff, right? And then you've got the architectural mill workers and then you've got people who uh, do furniture or countertops. And each of those is a little bit different. But where, where this topic, I think, fits is the project management side is managing the expectations of our clients in a way that helps that client know that, hey, we know what we're doing and we're in charge. We're going to get through this project, but I have to deliver some potentially negative news. And you can either avoid the bad news or you can deliver it in a way that's reasonable. And how you deliver it will really say how the rest of the job's going to go. That's what I wanted to share with you today. There's actually a formula. There's a formula for having this conversation and you can turn it into a script. It's super simple once you know it. When it comes to, first of all, I want to say kudos to you because I can tell that you know your target client because when I ask you that question, you're like, well, it depends because we've got this person, this person, and this person. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's how every good business owner slash entrepreneur should answer. It's, the answer is never a one-size-fits-all thing. When people use this formula correctly or if they don't use it correctly, like what are the outcomes? Like what outcome are you hoping that they can avoid, first of all, before we dive into the actual nuts and bolts of the formula? So there's a problem that I'm about to tell your audience about. And the problem is you can never see the world the same way once somebody shows you a new view. Or um, there's a Starbucks that I, I have a couple of Starbucks that are my favorite. It's pretty bad. I'm a, I'm a regular at four different Starbucks. But one of the Starbucks I go to has a church next to it. And the church has one of those signs that always has a really clever or cute saying on it. And uh, the one time there was a sign that said, a mind once expanded will never regain its original shape. And so the reason I say that is because after I share this particular formula with your listeners, they're going to start seeing it everywhere in the world. They're going to see it. Politicians use this when they're delivering bad news. Uh, if the oil pipeline has to, has to run a pipeline right through the school zone of your kids, they're going to use this formula. When they tell you that bad news, you're going to hear some um, uh, different people using this as a way to deliver potentially contentious news, like stuff that could make people upset, this is the formula that they use in PR to make sure that it goes over smoothly. So you're never going to see the world the same way again, and you're going to listen to it. You're going to turn to your friend and you go, I know the formula they use to make that script, and let me tell you how it works. So the real question is, does this work on spouses? I don't know. 
Yeah, that one, that one's up in the air. I think, I think you could use it once, no matter what, and they see through it. Probably, yeah. Yeah, most probably. So, okay, what is the formula? Break it down, because now we're all just hanging in suspense. Oh, okay, good. So the, um, the thing we're trying to overcome is resistance. So this is not me coming up with this. This is, um, this is a, from a, a, a study that was done. But we're trying to overcome resistance. It's called the, the formula for change. Okay, and this, is, this formula for change is how people see change and how they resist it. And so we use it as a formula for overcoming that resistance and the way that we then talk to people about how we do it. And if we get a chance today, we'll build a script around that too. You can give me a, a topic and we'll build a little scenario and then I'll, I'll do a script with you, okay? Oh, I like the sound of that. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a challenge for me too. I better do it right. <laughs> <clears throat> so... The formula goes like this. I want everybody to, if you're not listening, if you're not able to write this down now, it's very simple. There's one, two, three, there's only four parts, but we're gonna go, we're gonna say dissatisfaction times vision plus first steps has to be greater than resistance. So the formula, the way I write it is D for dissatisfaction times V, which is vision plus FS has to be greater than, so that's the, you know, the sideways triangle looks mm -hmm. like a little Pac-Man symbol and the Pac-Man is eating your left hand is the Pac-Man and it's eating your right fist. That's the, mm -hmm. the right has to overcome resistance. Gee, I hope I got that right. Any mathematicians listening right now will <laughs> at my description of how you draw. <laughs> it's like Pac-Man. <laughs> it's like your left hand is Pac-Man and your right hand. So that's the, the, le the uh, has to overcome resistance. So uh, D times V plus FS overcomes resistance. The key to this, like it is with any formula, and I'm no mathematician, by the way, but if the resistance is too high, then we can't overcome their resistance. So what that means is D can't be zero, so it's dissatisfaction can't be zero, vision can't be zero, and first steps can't be zero. If in any case those three things are zero, you won't overcome resistance. So Am I making how, sense so far? Yes. So how does this look, um, let's just say in politics, because you said that politicians use this all the time, and politics yeah. is something that we're all familiar with. Right. So let's take a stance here, just as an example, and use something. Let's stay away from the big, you know, hated dinner topic issues, but make something up. Like we're going to drain a swamp that's full of, you know, purple frogs or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it can be something like, um, let's use a scenario of they're going to build a highway right through um, this residential community. Everyone's being forced to move. Right. Okay. That's horrible. It is. Everyone forced to move. That is actually happens too, doesn't it? Uh, the city I live in had the Olympics and they had to wipe out an entire neighborhood to move a road. So, so those things happen, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe we'll do this for a project management situation afterwards and I'll, I'll show everybody how this particular discussion goes, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about the dissatisfaction first, then I'm going to show you the vision, and then I'm going to talk about first steps because my initial resistance is, what do you mean you're building a highway through this residential community and everybody has to move, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to win everybody over, but this is my best way of doing it. So you have to think about me speaking to the general public. When we do it one-on-one -on -one in a project management situation, it's a little more defined. Mm -hmm. So um, can I do this just as a role play, Kate? Yeah, let's do that. And once we have that done, I think everyone will have a general idea. And then we'll move into a scenario where an interior designer might find herself with an unhappy client. And we'll just kind sure. of play it out from there. 
Okay, great. So uh, let me see if I take a stab at this. So we're going to talk about dissatisfaction first. Kate, you know how it is impossible to get through the city right now? Mm-hmm. It's holding up traffic. It probably takes you forever just to go get to pick up your kids or to visit your mom in the old age home on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly horrendous. There was a story in the news the other day of a fire truck that could not get through uh, to you know a relatively basic situation where somebody was having a, a heart attack. And what was a simple heart attack that's easy to fix, they fix every day, couldn't get solved because the fire truck couldn't get through. Further, the ambulance couldn't get through because of the same traffic and they were coming from another direction. Mm. What I'd like to talk to you about is the potential of finding a shorter way to get from one end of town to the other. If we don't do that, there's lives at stake here. Lives at stake is just the first part. I mean, we're not even talking about commerce and the, the impact of our city growing. We seem to be bound by an old way of doing things. I mean, that road was built because that's where the wagons ran. And we thought, well, let's pave it and call it a road. And that worked when we were running horse and buggy, but it doesn't work anymore. Can I tell you what my suggestion is? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. I think we need an engineering report that gives us maybe the three best options for getting from this end of town to the other. And from those engineering reports, we're going to figure out what the best way is. Some of them are going to be a little more difficult to stomach than others because some of them are going to mean we might have to move a couple of houses. But we want to treat everybody fairly so that the city's able to grow. What do you think of that? I think, man, you're darn good at this. <laughs> so, that, I just made it up. Yeah. I just made it up. But did you, go, did you see the dissatisfaction? Yes. And I think it's interesting because what you did was give it context and in a non-flammable way. And I can flammable. Yeah. And I can completely see uh, politicians using that. And yeah. it, it does make sense, but it doesn't come across like some sort of falsehood either. And I know that as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we care greatly about our integrity. And we also, a lot of us are people pleasers, yeah. but, but we can't always sugarcoat everything. So I like what you just did where you said, okay, here is the problem, but here are some tactics, some action steps we can take. And then here are some potential solutions. Right. So it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically what you're doing is saying, here's a problem, but you're never presenting the problem without also presenting the solution. Right. That's the vision. Mm-hmm. That's the, You caught on the vision, right? I said, here's what we need to do. We need to find a way to bind our city together and let's get three reports. It, uh, sorry, let's get three reports as first steps, mm-hmm. right? And then we'll choose the best one. And by the way, one of them might not be very good. It might be that we've got to move a few houses, but you think, oh my God, somebody died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Somebody couldn't get to their mom in an old age home. We might have to move a house. <laughs> okay, we got that. <laughs> the, greater, <laughs> the greater good suddenly takes over. So I, I'm, I'm a little concerned because it sounds cheesy. There are people out there listening to this going, oh, this is how you manipulate people. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. This is the formula for change. And this is a way to have a conversation. So I give people, I think you said it well, the context of the whole picture in a pretty short time frame, They can still resist, they can still say no, that's fine. But I have to present my case logically. I can't, I can't present it in a sort of a scattered way that just causes more confusion. Absolutely, and you know, we do something very similar in marketing where we're presenting someone with a problem, but we can't just say to someone, hey, this is a problem. <laughs> we have to show them how it's a problem. 
and yeah. show them the greater impact it will have on their business if they do this or they don't do this. And that's not falsehood. That is not manipulation. That is having a bird's eye view of the entire situation and taking the emotion out of it. So I'm kind of excited to see how you handle this next scenario. Oh, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that you're just really good at this. So oh, I, no. want, I want my listeners to hear this from you, and this will be so much easier too. Um, but this is something that I see in Facebook groups a lot where an interior designer or a home stager will post a comment about how she has the most difficult client or the most difficult project. Um, the one I saw today was um, she was like, do you ever have those projects where like nothing goes right? The client keeps changing her mind mm -hmm. and then she turns around and blames the designer. What would you say to her to go back and talk to her client? Because that's a really hard conversation. Not only does it really rack up the bill, uh, but it also makes the designer question if she should be billing. It makes her question her own ability. And then it also just makes for a super tense situation between her and that client because this client clearly doesn't know what they want. Mm. So what do you say to that? Okay, I'm going to take a stab at this, and I may get it wrong, but I think that's – if that's okay with you, if I get it wrong? Oh, okay. totally fine. It's so, life. So, <laughs> Um, our, our, let's, uh, what would a customer's name be? Give me a first name of a customer. Let's call her Jane. Jane. Okay. So Jane, um, I'm going to talk to Jane. Jane is the customer who keeps changing her mind and she's blaming the designer. What's the impact to Jane though? Just between you and I, before I start, what's, what does that mean? The project's late over budget? Both. And to top it off, Jane is second guessing herself because she feels like she needs to run all of her decisions past a committee. Therefore, if her sister-in-law says, oh, that's the wrong paint color, then she'll go back to the designer and be like, well, it's the wrong paint color. I don't like it, even though I already signed off on it. Oh. One of those situations. Yeah. Okay. So Jane is for sure the customer here. Yes. Okay. Let's take a stab at this. So I'd like everybody to listen for dissatisfaction. So I'm going to talk about dissatisfaction first. And then you're going to hear me transition to talk about vision. So what does the future look like? And then I'll talk about some suggested first steps. My goal with those three things is to overcome the resistance in Jane. Okay. And Kate, can you be Jane just for the sake of this? Hey, Jane, thanks for meeting me here at the house. Such as it is, you must be sick of living in construction. I really am. And it's just, it's always a mess around here. And I never really know what's going on. And I thought it was going to be done a long time ago. Oh, I know. And did, were you supposed to have people over for 4th of July or something like that? Well, I was hoping to, but then I was a little bit too embarrassed because I had been bragging about this project and then it's just still not done. So it's awkward. I've been bragging about the project too, because you have a stunning house oh thanks i mean i hope so i you know people tell me it's going to be yeah i i get the sense that you and i both have some frustrations here and i want to i want to sort of step up and volunteer to take the lead a little bit because i can see a path through this if you and i can put a, maybe a plan in place would that be okay yeah i'd like to hear what you can come up with so let me just summarize where we've come to today we started the project almost four months ago now it was remember it was still raining outside it wasn't even sunny and it was still dark in the morning when we started. Um, yeah. But in that time, we've had some visions, some epiphanies, right? Things have changed. You found some new appliances. You found some new colors. But at the same time, some of those things clashed with the decisions that you made in the very beginning. 
And so this house is becoming really uh, a reflection of you and what you love, but there's also some tension that I see because you're not sure if things are going to look right together. Is that sounding kind of right? Yeah, I feel like it's hard to know if I'm going to like it a year from now or even a week from now, and I just get nervous. Yeah, that's fair. I think looking at some of the things that myself and my team have done as well, there was a couple of emails that we missed that maybe made you sort of think about it for a little bit too long and think, how come we're not getting back to you? And and I've talked to my team about those things. I mean, it's important that when something's so, I don't know, intimate, like this is your house, uh, we need to be a little bit faster to get on that. And so I had some ideas for what it can look like going forward, because I think we can wrap this up in a lot shorter time than we've already taken to get here. Can I run through those with you? Yeah, yeah, let us hear it. Okay, so what I'd like to do is I've put together a form. Uh, it's kind of like a system. Uh, what we're going to do is use something very simple that you probably do already. We're going to set some goals for what we want to achieve by what dates. And then we're going to confirm a couple of details that we need. Appliances. Appliances are so important, and we've been hung up on this for a long time. Do you know why appliances are so important to the whole thing? Well, I know they're going to affect how my kitchen looks, and I have a lot of parties that take place there, so that's why I just waver back and forth between do I want a stainless finish, or do I want black, or do I want, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So what I've got a suggestion for you, and I'll talk about that in a second, but you're right about the appliances being such a key component of this whole thing. If I just go to the technical side, this is the stuff you don't want to hear. But the measurement and the depth and the height and where they're positioned in the kitchen is really important to getting this done on time. So one of the challenges that we have right now, you're probably aware of, is because the appliances have been changing, we haven't been able to, to get counter heights, balances, kicks, and other things that I have to get made by the custom designer at the woodwork shop, can't get those made. If we can't get those made, we can't choose colors and door styles. So it really is the thing right now that's the next big project for you and I to work on. So I want to go to this form so we write everything down. And I want you to have a copy of this and I'll have a copy. And we can both just keep checking back and say, these are the decisions we made. I have one more suggestion though. Do you remember the 3D photo rendering we did in your kitchen? Yeah. When you look at that, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel happy, sad, frustrated, uneasy? How does it make you feel? I mean, I still feel pretty proud of it when I see it. I'm glad. I feel proud when I see it because I think we nailed it. And I remember how excited you were when we looked at it. Can you see us making that kitchen for you and making it just come to life? Like literally where you're a fairy princess, you wave your hand and we do all the work? Yeah. I, I, I want nothing more than this to be wrapped up so I can start hosting my family again and, and just really be proud of my home. Yeah. Before Christmas, right? Right. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't have made that joke. I want to be at <laughs> But if we use that 3D plan that you feel so proud of and that appeals to you, because it's your home, right? Then if we can build to that plan, we can get this thing done really quickly. So let's go and fill out this form after I'm done. But I want to talk to you about some first steps. Actually, one of the first steps is let's get agreement that that 3D plan is what you want. But what we're going to need to do is sit down with it again and confirm appliances, uh, door styles, colors, uh, anything else, all of those decisions we make at the table when we do that are going to affect how much project management I can do and get the tradespeople back in here. Because right now, they might be balking. They might be going a little bit slower because we've been changing our mind as we go. 
do I need to have somebody with me to help me make these decisions? Because I just really am so unsure because I, I might like something, but then um, my spouse or, or, you know, my best friend, they're like, why did you choose that? And then it, yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah. And thank God they asked those questions. It gives you a chance to say with pride, I worked with my designer, Kate. True. True. Right. I mean, that's what I'm here for. It's just like a trainer at the gym. When somebody says, wow, you've got really nice abs. They're, they're saying you've got really nice abs. How'd that happen? You say, well, I work with my trainer, Kate. Right. They're, probably, they're still probably jealous. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, really the reason that you bring on somebody like me to do a project like this is because I do projects like this for, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to do the math, but I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. So basically you're, you're trying to tell me I need to trust you. Uh, yes. And I need to trust you. I try, you know, because that 3D rendering is what you feel looks beautiful. I happen to think so too. But now my job is to make it come to life. Well, yeah. I get it. Let, let's go over the plan. Okay. That there was so cool. <laughs> Did that work? Was that okay? We could be actors. We could start a different show. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, did, did you hear the three components, dissatisfaction, vision, and first steps? Yes, absolutely. And you always brought it back to the fact that, oh, it's your home and this is, this is what you wanted. And it was all done very smoothly um, and, and strategically without making the customer feel like she was being bombarded or coerced into just make a decision, darn it. Because obviously that's what every interior designer wants to say. Yeah. But, do it. Or yeah. go to Europe and give me the keys. I, yes, exactly. Exactly. But we all know that's not the best approach and, uh, being a designer or a home stager or even a workroom owner requires that level of finesse when you're dealing with retail clients. So yeah. thank you for doing that. I know I put you on the spot, but you rocked it. <gasps> Good. I, I, you, as you know, I'm not a designer, but I pulled that 3d rendering thing out of my hat. I <laughs> interviewed the 3d rendering companies before. And uh, I know how important it is to have visuals. How oh, yeah. many times do you deal with people that can't see, you know, plans in 2d? Mm -hmm. and they just can't visualize what it's like to walk through a kitchen. They need that 3D space, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I just know from talking with my interior design clients that that's a big part of their service offering. And if they don't do it, they will outsource it to make sure it gets done because the client needs to see what they are seeing. And again, it goes back to the interior designer or any business owner going the extra mile to make sure that they are literally on the same page with their client. And yeah. be, to be on the same page, you cannot be on opposite sides. You, there can't be any tension. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really about business coaching as well, because we have to have a, the goals laid out the same as the homeowner. Mm. And then you just work to those goals. It's the same as a project management plan. Right? What are we trying to achieve? When, what do we have to have in place before we can have something else in place? What's it going to look like at the end? Right. And I mean, honestly, there, I can't think of any situation where you couldn't use this formula. I mean, except in the case of a spouse, perhaps, like you said. Oh, hey, <laughs> you let's, let's get everybody to try it. Once. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> will try it. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you think about um, approaching any difficult situation, personal or otherwise, from a mindset of what can we do for the greater good and what is the impact 
um, the overarching impact, the long-term impact instead of the here and now, uh, because sometimes a little bit of discomfort here and now, whether it is that difficult conversation or that compromise that we have to make, it's going to serve everyone better in the end. And just getting people to see that and to come up there with you to that bird's eye view and then look down together and see, okay, here's where we're at and we yeah. are still on the same team. Yeah. Together is the key on this. Yes. And, you know, it, I, like I said, I just go back to thinking about all the designers and stagers who post in different forums or Facebook groups and they're frustrated. And when they describe the situation, my heart aches for them because I, I know like we've all been there where we can't seem to make a customer happy, but yeah. that doesn't mean that we have to then fly off the handle. I mean, maybe, you know, in the silence of a closet somewhere, but <laughs> in your car, that's Absolutely. But thank you for sharing that formula. That is a life skill right there. That's not just a, a business hack. So um, is there any situation that you can think of where this formula is not going to be effective just so we have that disclaimer? If I had a client absolutely blow up and things were in tatters, I would use this formula. Mm -hmm. This would actually be the formula I would go into that meeting with. So I, I can't off the top of my head think about a situation where I, I wouldn't use it. The, the one thing I wouldn't be is, and this is what I was worried about today for me, I didn't want to sound fake. Yeah. So that was Dom's voice. When, when you do it, whoever's listening, do it in your voice. Don't do it in Dom's voice. You know, I talk funny, you talk funny, just talk the way you talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that's, the, that's what I would really urge people. Otherwise, I think it could be used anywhere. If you've got, and uh, you know, right now while we're recording, it's not school season, but if you've got a child who's having difficulty with their teacher at school, I think you could use this. If you're the coach of a kid's baseball team and you're having trouble with one of the parents, I think you could use this on the sidelines. I think it can be used in a lot of places. You probably just can't overuse it. Right. Otherwise, people will catch on and be like, don't do that thing no. again. <laughs> I don't think they ever catch on because when you start to hear, and I hate to say politicians because never in my life do I want to be a politician. Yeah. But now that people have heard this, they're going to go, they're going to watch the news and go, I know what that guy's doing. I can see it. There's the dissatisfaction. There's the vision, the first steps. It's just a thing. It's actually a PR tool. It's been taken from psychology and applied to public relations. So that's where I got it from as a coach. I think it's pretty much genius. Now that everyone has heard how you can come up with this stuff on the spot, which is pretty darn impressive, if they want to learn more from you, uh, or use any of your programs, how can they do that? What do you have for them? Oh, well, thank you. I'd love to have any of your, your, your listeners on uh, listen to my show as well. So if you already love podcasts, uh, hopefully you love mine. Mine's called Cabinet Maker Profit System, and you can find it on iTunes and Google Play and all the others. Um, if you want some examples of the, the tools that I use to show business owners how to grow their businesses or, uh, or deal with situations in a different way, there's free, there's a lot of free downloads on my website as well. Um, so you just go to cabinetmakerprofitsystem.com and there's a free tab. There's, there's a whole bunch there. I will tell you one of the most popular downloads I have is how to increase profits in your business. There's eight places money is hiding that most people don't go. They don't look under that rock. Um, but there's all sorts of resources there and they're all free. Awesome. We like that. Everyone likes free, free especially yeah. if free can then make them money. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. ironic, but the best. Well, yeah. Dominic, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation for a good long time. Right. Well, try it on your husband and let us all know how it goes. Okay. I'll make an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kate.
Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.